1: The final Furlong Podcast with Emma Kennedy is proudly brought to you by All About Sunday, the ultimate racehorse ownership experience. Download the app and get involved today. All About Sunday, we love racing. And by our official betting partner, Kaluki Sportsbook, the market-leading messenger betting service, providing best odds guaranteed on UK and Irish horse racing, plus with the option of instant withdrawals. Visit sportsbook.com to sign up. Now.
2: As we look back on the weekend's racing with a view to Cheltenham, with the countdown firmly on. And we'll do so in the company of Matt Polly, equine radiographer, former amateur jockey, uh, has been an assistant trainer and is currently seventh in the racing post naps table. Matt, welcome back to the final furlong podcast, my friend.
3: Hi, Emmett. Thanks for having me on. I'm glad you mentioned that I dropped from uh, fourth to seventh in the match table there, but we'll gloss over that.
2: It's only a matter of time. Um, some <laughs> rascal managed to sneak in young dev, so you'll manage to get yourself back up. Uh, it's only a matter of time before you do. Um, oh, oh. So yeah, not a not a bother. Uh, you've been crushing it. You've been in the top seven for most of the season as well. But anyway, uh, we'll begin by looking at Brave Man's game, shall we? Um, This was in the limited handicap chase at 1.15 at Newbury. So it wasn't on uh, TV unless you've got racing TV, in which case uh, you got the best analysis going in uh, television racing. So uh, Harry Cobden and Paul Nichols. Paul Nichols has been out of form quite badly. And this was something that was a concern for for Matt and I. He did have two winners uh, over the weekend. Uh, Red Risk winning as well, but there was a number of other disappointments, which we'll come to a little bit later on. He does go to Cheltenham, according to Paul. How impressed were you with him here? The fact that he was able to win with the stable in such poor form, and what prospects do you give him now for the Brown Advisory?
3: Well, I basically echo what you just said there. I mean, this was a this was a big weekend for Paul Nichols, um, based on the way his horse has been uh, been running. Uh, recently over the last four or five weeks or so. And, you know, there was quite a bit made of it, wasn't there? I mean, he usually, these horses usually have their flu vax in January, so it's not unusual for him to go a little bit quiet um, during the month of January. But uh, I think there's no doubt he had some, faced a little bit of pressure coming into this weekend, especially with, um, you know, a couple of these big guns, particularly Brave Man's gang coming coming into this race um, and being a handicap as well, having to give over a stone away to some, you know, some okay novices. So I think the first thing of all, he he, he probably breathed a massive sigh of relief that the horse got the job done. But um, I think all in all, it was hard not to be impressed. Um, We know he's a good jumper, a good solid jumper. Um, He's got plenty of scope, but he he can fiddle when necessary. And, you know, I think there was. He made a slight mistake at one of the fences down the home straight, but you know he soon he soon came back on the bridle and, and 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 powered away. And to give you know to give over a stone away to a couple of half decent novices, I thought was um, was was more than acceptable.
2: A hundred percent echo that, uh, particularly given the stables form uh, at the moment, and given the stables form, it kind of would have been. Excusable had he been beaten. The fact that he's come through it just means this race is nowhere near as good as the Cotto Star Novice's Chase was. And that race in itself was affected by the fact that Ahoy Senor didn't quite run to the level of form that we know that he's capable of. But that may very well have been due to the fact that Brave Man's Game put up such a, a strong performance. So, all in all, when you look at old RSA, I stick with my opinion that I don't think Galopin Deschamps is going to go for this race, which means. The 3-1 to about Braveman's game really is standout stuff, and don't see an awful lot, aside from the aforementioned senor, if he puts his jumping arrows behind him, and if he's a different horse from Kempton, uh, as Lucinda Russell has suggested, that can really stop him. And I would think that Braveman's game is going to take an awful lot of beating in the now Brown advisory novices chase.
3: Yeah, I mean, just, just going back to that race, uh, you know, and Ahoy uh, Senor and Brave Man's Game, um, if you actually look deeply enough into that that form, there was some collateral form between Ahoy Senor and Brave Man's Game with Pat's fancy, who'd got form with, um, he beat a horse called Jericho Rock of um, uh, David Pipes at Chepstow, and then uh, Sam Palais, who finished behind Ahoy Senor at Weatherby. Uh, just beat Jericho Rock in the Mandarin at Newbury. So they basically confirmed uh, their form basically with each other, Brave Men's Game and Ahoy Senor and that Kempton-Corto-Star-Novice chase. There's no doubt that Kempton suited Brave Men's Game more than uh, a Ahoy, Ahoy Senor. Um, I've got my thoughts on Ahoy Senor's jumping, Um he got the job done at Weatherby, didn't he? But um he still looks like he's made of wood.
2: Um, yeah. do you want to you wanna, you expand on that? You don't think he's a natural chaser?
3: I don't think I don't think he is. I, I don't think I'm not sure whether it's a confidence thing or or a or, or a physical thing. he was quite frankly awful at Kempton. Well, I'm amazed he got as close as he did to to Braidman's game at, at Kempton and that's literally because the horse has got a massive engine he's already proved that over hurdles when he tramped Braidman's game at Aintree over, over hurdles. So there's no doubt this horse has got a huge engine or his senior but the amount of times there was a stride for him there at Kempton and he put down um, particularly when Derek Fox asked him up and he seemed to put another stride in but virtually every fence, which was costing him length. And I just got this theory about him that maybe in a, in a strong run race with lots of horses around him and the chips are down. I'd, I'd still, I'd still be with, if they met in the, in the brown advisory, I'd still side with brave man's game. I think because I'm just not convinced that Ahoy Senor is a, is a natural chaser. I, I absolutely no doubt that this horse has got a massive engine there's no question about that. He's already proved that. But and we'll talk about novice chasers and hurdlers and you know what they're best at later on, probably in the pod. But um jumping's the name of the game, and there's not a lot between brave man's game and a horse um engine-wise. So I'd always probably go for the for the slipper jumper, and that's definitely Brave Man's Game. And um it's strange the Paul Nichols was quite bullish after after that um after the after the win on at Newbury on Saturday and quite rightly, because I think probably a lot of weight off his shoulders. But uh, he was definitely I'll oh, bring on the bring on the brain advisory now. Whereas before, in some previous interviews, he was anti going to uh, Cheltenham. So um he's changed his tune a little bit in that respect. But um yeah, brave man's game, like you said, if um Gallop and Deschamps chooses, chooses the Turners. The current price of three to one. Um, obviously, you know there's a few other horses in there, but we're not 100 percent sure where they're going to turn up. Like Stat will go for the three mile six. But yeah, I mean, Brave Man's Game
2: um, would you
3: couldn't imagine him being out of the first three in the in, in the in the brown advisory, could you? No,
2: not not unless disaster struck. Um, and look, I'm basing this on my own personal opinion. It's nobody can read the mind of Willie Mullins. Sometimes, not even Willie. Um, he's he's a complex man, and um, what I thought was very intriguing about him is that he does often speak post race as though he's thinking aloud, and yet. There was n- there was no moving him in terms of wh- what's your thought process? Are you going to go for the the Turners, which is the old JLT, or the Brown Advisory, the old Orsay? Not saying. Like, he just would not be moved on it, which makes me think that he is more inclined to go for for the old the JLT, the um the Turners, um. And if you're looking at Bob Olinger and going, well, do you really want to clash with him? Um, You've an interesting take on Bob Olinger as well. You also don't think he's a natural chaser.
3: No, I, I, I don't. Just just looking at the way he jumps, I, I, he's certainly not exuberant. I don't think he's got an awful lot of scope. He does get from A to B. Um, and if that's the case, that might be enough um, to see him win the Turners. Um I mean, if we're talking about the turners now and the potential candidates, year, yeah, it pretty much lies between Gallop and Deschamps and and Bob Ollinger. I don't want to I don't want to um, destroy the hype train, but if you actually, I mean, there's no doubt that Gallop and Deschamps is going to be a better, but he already is a better chaser than he was hurdler.
2: Yep.
3: But if you actually you know, is, I don't want, to, don't want to be overly controversial, but if you actually look at and Deschamps' form, it's not overly exciting. Would you agree? He won a he won he won a handicap hurdle at the Cheltenham Festival off a one four two at eight to one.
2: Fairly dotted. Then up, he so.
3: did. Yeah, absolutely. Not going to not going to deny that. He beat. He won the Grade One. Then at Punchestown, beating Gentleman's Game. He's done nothing since, like less than nothing. Statler, who looks a four miler to me. Vanillia, who has has been in my mind disappointing since. Yeah,
2: for me. To so that be was his. He was a big hope for me this season. You know that's his that's his hurdle form,
3: and his chase form um you know he's, he's ain't, ain't that a shame you beat didn't he at uh, Leopardstown
2: yeah um, the beginners
3: yeah and you know what what's that horse done
2: he oh, finished second to champagne platinum in um yeah. in a decent enough uh chase and um you know, a, a floor who was in behind was third in, in the uh, Grand National trial the other day. Um, is, is that
3: is that is that grade one form?
2: Yeah, because then he's gone and won a grade one, beating a grade one winner. Yeah. In the DRF. I mean, yeah. I like, think it's more... Like, Paddy Corkery uh, couldn't stop talking about Master McShee and was basically on was quite rightly making the point no one's paying any attention to my horse and look at what he did you know look, yeah. look at at the fact that he's gone to Selimrick and he's won a won a grade one he's won the Fahean novices chase and no one's paying him any respect and Paddy Corkery was the first one to go over and shake Willie Mullen's hand and say we've bumped into a superstar he was the first yeah. one to say and and is not going to tell them won't go there yeah um and what Gallop and Deschamps, uh, what he did uh, at the DRF was breathtaking. What he did on his chasing debut was was breathtaking. But to do it in Grade One company, um, when he was nudged along briefly, and you know what that is—that's Willie just leaving enough to be worked on. Hmm. Uh, I think, I I think he's he's a superstar. Um, now Cheltenham will, will tell us an awful lot more, but. Um, this, this segment really is about Brave Man's game, but it's the reason that I'm bringing this up, and the reason that you and I are, are having this discussion is, if you're looking at the the market for the, what is labeled an odds checker as the Festival Novices Chase, it's the Brown Advisory Novices Chase, and it just causes more confusion when you look at that. um mm-hmm. is odds on de is odds-on, essentially, for the race. Now, maybe he's going to rock up here. But if I'm Willie Mullins I can see what you can see With Bob Ollinger I can see past the hype So I would rather Take on Bob Ollinger Over a trip that I know is going to suit my horse On a track that I know is going to suit my horse Because yeah. he won over hurdles there Last season The new course And, and he believes in the horse as well as opposed yeah, to taking on brave man's game.
3: I see, I see what you're saying. The, the 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 just a couple of things I, you know, I'll, I'll add to my in my defense is that when we, you know, yeah, he 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 won a group 1 Gallup and Deschamps but is it, you know, are they are are some of these genuine grade 1 races? That's that's what I ask myself. He beat he I don't want to knock any horses. He beat Master McShee easily. Master McShee won a won a grade one at Limerick. But if you what what did Master Master McShee got up on the line to beat Farouk Dalim, who is a stayer who got beat by Statler on his next start. Gabinarco was third, can't jump. <laughs> Don't want to knock anybody, but that does not that does not strike me as a strong grade one. So the fact that Gallop and Deschamps has beaten, Master McShire Leatherstone albeit emphatically, doesn't get me excited. What does get me excited about Gallop and Deschamps is he's jumping. Because yeah. there's no doubt. There's no doubt that this this horse is an operator over 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 fences. But in it also in my mind, there's no doubt that Bob Ollinger is a better racehorse. But then we, it boils down to jump, and just like we talked about Brave Man's game and Ahoy Senor there's a chance that Ahoy Senor has got a bigger engine than Brave Man's game which is why he absolutely thrashed him at Aintree but Brave Man's game's a better jumper than Ahoy Senor hence why he beat him in the quarter star now it's going to be a case of Bob Ollinger's quality against Gallup and Deschamps jumping whereas obviously Gallup and Deschamps different league jumping to Bob Ollinger but I it, it, like this is this is this is what's fascinating about the national hunt game it brings jumping brings horses together so in my mind Bob Ollinger is a better racehorse than Gallop and Dechon, but Gallop and Dechon is a natural chaser and that is going to bring those horses a lot closer together so it's a it's a it's a swings it's a swings and roundabouts now I've gone for brave man's game against the Hoisin York should they meet in the Brown advisory. But I'm really struggling to determine whether or what I'd want to be on Bob Ollinger's side, despite the fact that he's not an actual chaser, but he's got a bigger engine than Gallup and But Gallup and a, a, a much better chaser, and I think it will bring them very close together.
2: Mm. Uh, I wonder what they're going to do with... Bob Ollinger as well. Like, does he just go straight to Cheltenham now on the back of those two? I think runs? that was the plan.
3: I think that was the plan, wasn't
2: it? I think the plan initially was go to the DRF, and then that got thrown out the window. So, like Henry is a genius at getting his horses to to jump, uh, like taking smart hurdlers and making them even better chasers. But yes. we, we, you and I have had this conversation before, and I, I agree with you. I think you're right. I think even watching videos back of Bob Ollinger, just to to see if I could then counterpoint you afterwards. And I'm like, actually, no, Matt's right. Do,
3: do, do you think Bob Ollinger is a better racehorse than Gallop and
2: <sighs> On the basis of the fact that he's won at the Cheltenham Festival, but that's about it. Like um I don't think he's a I don't think he's done an enormous amount in his in his chasing career like he hasn't done anything close to as impressive as uh and you could say well Rachel's just you know no, easing, I agree. Him, easing him towards I, the, the I finish. Agree. but um finishing second to, to Fernie Hollow um burying blue Lord. That's all that's all very noticeable. Uh de DeMassile, I don't think has really gone on this season. I don't think he's all that, quite frankly. Um But he was
3: third he was third behind a distant third behind Galapag, wasn't
2: he? Yeah, he was, yeah, yeah, yeah. but a distant third behind him. Um uh and I, I kinda of wonder if Braveman's game just was a little bit unfurnished that day at, at Cheltenham when he finished third in the Ballymore when there was such high hopes for him because he was so weak in the betting. Um, mm. And yet all the money was for Bob Ollinger. It was almost like the, the entire the entire market just knew this is the one to be with, and he bolted up that day. But you can get very sucked in then to horses who have been very impressive in winning at the Cheltenham Festival and just think, mm-hmm. oh, this is a superstar, and they're always going to be a superstar. It's not always the case. Um, mm-hmm. And just because, I think, another point to make as well about gallop de champ is that William Mullins has gone down the Martin Pipe route with the likes of Sarah de Champ, who went on to win a grade one novice chase at the Cheltenham Festival, Don Polly, yeah. who would go on to win a grade one novice chase at the Cheltenham Festival, um, and others as well. So, I I don't know if if he's a better horse than him. Um I my mind isn't 100% made up on that uh, right now. What what my mind is very firm in is that he's a better chaser and I'd be very disappointed if Willie was to turn around and say I've made my mind up and the decision is we're going to go for we're going to rock up in the in the uh brown advisory. We're going to take on Braveman's <laughs> game over 3 miles. Because I think you're you're asking him to do uh, a lot at the age of six um, over a distance that you're not tested at yet. Whereas Monkfish, yeah. you know, last season was tested over that. He, he'd run over that trip at, at Christmas time. But um, the, the whole point of, of mentioning these different horses is that that brown advisory, the old RSA, really is Brave Man's game's race, in my view. And I don't think it has... I think there's much more strength and depth in the Turners, and I think there's possibly even more strength and depth in the in the formatter. matter. Um, and you know, in, in this time of where people are saying, "Oh, Ireland are going to dominate at the Cheltenham Festival," there's clearly races where Ireland have a lot of horses that can dominate and uh, and, and a lot of strength. But the the brown advisory, if Galopon de doesn't go there, is not one of them. I think that. Brave Man's game will be very hard to beat, and there'll be plenty of people listening to this who totally disagree with both of us and think Ahoy Senor is the one to be with. Um, And and I'm not going to put anybody off that, but I think it's important to take a a former amateur jockey and uh, um, an equine x-ray specialist who's seventh in the naps table, uh, who spends... You know all day buried in the form book um and has such strong views I think it's important to, to get those out there so and and to make us think because the unfortunately the the narrative about surrounding horse racing at times can just be this horse's favorite and was very impressive at the Ju Festival last year therefore will be hard to beat um and I actually think that the 11 to four about brave man's game who genuinely, I thought, for the longest time was not going to run at Cheltenham. I I think that for quite a while, Paul just didn't want to go there. And it'll be interesting to see what happens with stage star who didn't run on Sunday um, and whether or not his comments about going to injury with him and not going to to Cheltenham, whether that plays out. But I think Brave Men's Game wins the brand advisory as long as he rocks up and... um, I'd be fairly confident of that. I think he's probably one of the one of the better bets of the entire week right now. Um, right, that's the one we uh, We'll move to the 2.25, which is the Betfair-Denman chase, and here's where it goes back to being all wrong for Paul Nichols because Klandis Sobo on his King George form alone, would be good enough to win this race. He ends up being 12 lengths behind Eldorado Allen, who... Uh, congratulations to a different match, Matt, Matt Toombs <laughs> put him up very confidently on the Final forum Podcast, so if you were with him on Thursday, well done to Matt uh, one of a few winners for him um, I uh, peskingly stuck with Royal Pagai uh, the fact that he's put away Royal Pagai in the manner that he has was was taking um, mm-hmm. but almost the bigger talking point is Clan De Sobo the fact that he was running here won't be going to Cheltenham and yet was pretty well held is another example of the fact that Paul Nicholls form just isn't what you would like it to be.
3: I think, you know, this, this race kind of left me feeling a little bit flat. Obviously if you're, um, you know, connected to the Tizards and, uh, um, you know, you're in a situation like that, obviously you're over the moon, but, uh, this left me feeling uh, a bit flat, as 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 did the Irish Gold Cup. Um, yeah, to me too. Me too. Extend. I, I just felt really um, quite an anticlimax and really quite underwhelming. You know, I couldn't. Obviously, there was the the um, question marks around the, the Paul Nichols yard, but Clendasobo flat track, good ground. Um. Eighteen pounds superior to Eldorado Allen off level weights. Yep, couldn't couldn't get a sniff. And to be honest, the right was on the wall early on. He was he wasn't travelling with any gusto. Um, Harry Cobden had a loop in his reign after the first fence, and it, at no point, at no point, I don't think Claudio was ever going to win that race unless it unless the race fell apart. Why didn't um, Why didn't they ride uh,
2: him positively?
3: Well, I think essentially you, you've got you've got a couple of two and a half milers in there in Eldorado Allen, and well, I say two and a half milers. I mean, Eldorado Allen's just proved that he stayed three miles, but that was on good ground. And Imperial Aura is probably best over two and a half. And I just think on that ground, over you know, on a flat track, you know, with a couple of two and a half milers taking each other taking each other on in in front, I think that was probably just about where. Harry Cobden could hold his ground. That's how it looked to me. Because if Clanders Oboe had been travelling, I'd have said, yeah, why don't you send him up there and and, and get him a little bit more interested because the horse looked, looked like he wasn't... The horse looked like he couldn't lay up with the front runners. And he didn't really look... He was interested to mm-hmm. either. I mean, you know, we're talking about horses. horse won a King George. He was second in a King George... Um, recently wasn't he but I think 172 is is starting to look quite flattering um, for Klander's oboe now but whichever way you dress it up the horse to take out of the race is Rob Pagai I mean despite the fact that he's also um, was 11 pounds better off with Eldorado Allen I mean we're talking a a lot of weight there Um, and he he still couldn't he couldn't peg Eldorado, Eldorado Allen back the fact that the ground was good was obviously against uh, Royal Pagai because this horse revels in, in mud. He's a really strong stayer. Um, and he just found things happening too too quickly for him. He just, he he, he plugged on. He, he couldn't find a change of gear. And, um, you know, Eldorado Allen, didn't he, did he, Did he won the Halden Gold Cup, I think, did he? Yeah, he did, yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's over two mile one. He just had a little bit more toe on the on, on the ground, but whichever way you look at it, um, he, he kind of won by default, really. El Dorado, I think mm-hmm. you know if you if you take if you're taking if you're taking ratings literally, he, he didn't really have much of a hope. But obviously, you know, conditions and and various other elements counted against uh, the second and the third.
2: Yeah, probably just a little bit too dry. That rain didn't come for Royal Pagai, who I think it's it's now pretty established that he does need soft ground um to operate at, at his absolute optimum and his best. Which Well you- I think he
3: does I think he does he does go on, on good ground, but I think he needs the softer ground to slow everyone else down a little bit.
2: I like that analysis. Um, uh, fair play to, to Matt Thomas for seeing it in El Dorado Allen that he could benefit. Um, because I wasn't seeing it, um, to be completely honest about it. And, uh, I thought he was an intriguing runner, but in terms of a win proposition, bet, I thought Pagai was the standout, um, just because of the stable form with, with Paul Nichols, uh, but in Sobo, you are talking about a, a dual King George winner, uh, an injury bowl winner. And as you said, he just he couldn't... He just, from two out, it's game over. Um, I mean, to be
3: fair, he, he did get beaten this last year as well by a stable mate.
2: Yeah, but, I mean, wasn't Den- Denman was beaten in this as well? Like, that's happened before. Oh,
3: yeah. I, I mean, it's... I, you know, I, this is what I talk about when when, when we talk about um, just sort of swaying off subject here a little bit. When people suggest they want to see horses running in every Grade One race eight, nine times, ten times a season, you know these horses they get older. You know, there's only so many times you can go to the well, and Flandersobo mm. is starting to look like that to me. He's, he's just starting to. Maybe he's just starting to show his age a little bit. I mean, Paul Nicholls is a master at keeping these horses going, keeping them fresh. But uh, there was definitely um, he definitely lacking some sparkle at Newbury on Saturday.
2: Yeah, I'd agree with that, and he would have been third in the King George if Asturian for launch stands so. up. Yeah, um, and that's not even taking into account the fact that Chantry House and Manila, Manila Lindo were out of the race, so. Yeah, look, we'll we'll see. Um, we haven't really learned a whole lot, except for the fact that Royal Pagai needs it softer to slow everything else down, as you said, uh, that Eldorado Allen is entered for the Ryanair, but that they're considering the Gold Cup, which in a way kind of tells you how open the Gold Cup is. Because you look at the betting for the race, and uh, top of the market is obviously last year's runner-up. At Plutard, um, I, I don't really take an enormous amount. To, I didn't look at Manila Lindo's performance at the Dublin Racing Festival and go, oh, that was superb. I mean, that's what I said with Darren last week. I'm not going to change my mind on it now. Uh, I think the whole thing about Robbie Power is very, very odd uh, that you, you go to the trouble of essentially jocking off Rachel Blackmore because Rachel's going to be on board a Plutard. Well, she's the best in the weighing room right now, and she's available for you in this race. But you go to the trouble of getting Robbie, and then when it's asked, so is Robbie going to be on board in the Gold Cup? It's non-committal. Oh, oh we'll see. We'll see. I thought that was very odd. Um, mm. And it's not like Jessica's got anything for for the race. Um, so... And you just... You so look, where, you look where,
3: where would you... Where would you run Eldorado
2: Allen? Um, I wouldn't supplement him for the Gold Cup. I'd go for the for the Ryanair. But then again, if they want to go and roll the dice, who might say no? Um, is
3: the is the Gold Cup actually, an easier race for the it Ryanair? Is.
2: Now that you say it, because is going to bolt up in the Ryanair. Yeah. So you probably do take your chance uh, and go for it. And you've beaten you've beaten one rival. In Royal Pagai. Um conflated. You weren't. You don't sound like you're overly enthusiastic about him. I'm not. Um, album photo mm, protector at. I think needs a bog. Uh, Manila, Indo, I wasn't blown away by. So you come down to a Plutard and Galvin. Darren is of the mindset to just look at both of those and decide nearer to the time and their price won't change a whole lot between now and then. I think Tornado Flyer is being a little bit underestimated in the market. And he's clearly the number one from the William Mullins stable mm. and is clearly being trained for the race. Like you've won the King George with him, keep him fresh and go. Um and then after that, you know, Shantry House has been beaten in his prep run um yeah there's not a there's not an enormous amount there the only the only positive that i could give those who sent Asterian Folanjov as favorite for the Irish Gold Cup is well at least he got round and now he's 40s cuz if you're going to back him at 11 to 4 for the Irish Gold Cup how do you not back him at 40s for the Gold Cup i'm not by the way i like he wouldn't be on my mind for the race but in a year where it's... I mean, it could very well be a Plutard turns up in the form that he was in at Haydock and in the Bedford Chase and just destroys everything. Um, because if if Rachel rides him the same way that she did last year, he wins. It wasn't anything to do with the ride the horse was given. It was just that Manel Lindo galloped out stronger to the line. It was as simple as that. Um, but he doesn't seem to be and Manel Endo is a quirky old horse i mean he might bounce back on the day on the day if maybe that's what they're thinking if jack kennedy becomes available they'll want jack um and uh, delta work hasn't just doesn't seem to be the the horse that he he was um so maybe you do have him available um maybe maybe jack kennedy is going to be around but then again gordon's got galvin and he's got conflated so he's going to want Davey on one, and he's going to want Jack on the other. So he probably isn't available. But as as I look at the race, I think Tornado Flower is like why 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 is this attitude that oh that was a fluke, was it was it really? And and his twelves and fourteens just a little bit too big. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd probably run Eldorado Allen in the Gold Cup now that I deeply think about it because uh, I think. Allaho is home and host and um well, let,
3: let, let, should we just should we just throw something else to muddy the water in oh, why all means but, uh, the the one thing like I always bang on about is of course the ground so the ground can change your opinion overnight almost can't it yep. because you know we have we, I mean we, we haven't had a particularly wet winter um, but there's no doubt and you often see this quite a lot particularly in the handicaps at Cheltenham, you know, sort of fairly, maybe not so much these days, but back in the day when we used to have a lot of um, Irish horses come over that have been running in knee deep mud all season. And they might drop a few pounds and a handicap for the handicaps or whatever. And then the sun comes out, the ground dries up and, you know, the fact that they haven't acted on soft ground has made them really well handicapped or just basically, you know, they've finally got their ground for once and all of a sudden they turn their form around. Um, you know, which is something you really have to you really have to keep an eye out for. It's no different than flat horses running on firm ground throughout the summer and then going into group ones in the autumn and, and, and bombing out because we've had some rain, you know. It's um, uh, you really have to keep an eye on on these things. Um so for example, if there was Imagine supplementing El Allen, which I think they'd have to do, wouldn't they, to get yep, him in. That's right. Imagine there's a imagine there's a deluge um, on on, on the, the Wednesday and the Thursday and it becomes knee deep. He literally have no chance of getting three and a quarter miles around there. And they've done their they've done their money, and then all of a sudden, you know, Royal Pagai comes in each way, hope, um, you know, brings like probably tornado fire into it, obviously he stays really well. So whenever we whenever we talk about these and we have opinions on these races in advance you you have to you, you have to be flexible to a certain extent you know we can have opinions now or mid february but you still have to be flexible to a certain extent and be prepared to adapt near the time to you know for obvious reasons
2: don't you 100% and that's great advice and something that we've tried to uh, emphasizing the podcast over the years as well, but it, it's a very important point to make, and um, it's subject to change. So, um, obviously, I mean, there's even... Envoy Alain looked like a, an absolute good thing, not last year, uh, when he did look like a good thing, and there is there is a cautionary tale, uh, but he looked like a good thing for the, the Ballymore. And the fascinating thing was, on the Saturday was it the, the Thursday? Yeah, the Thursday before Cheltenham, um, Gordon walked the track and started saying that he was seriously considering leaving him in the Supreme because the ground was so bad. But Cheltenham drains very, very well. And once the rain stopped, he made his mind up to, to proceed as planned and go for the Ballymore. Um, but there was a real chance that he was going to leave him in the supreme instead. And so, you know, what had been targeted all season long was now being changed. And it was being changed simply because he's like Willie Mullins and Paul Nichols intelligent enough to leave his horses in with a backup plan um, and not be just stuck in one situation where you then end up being uh, a round peg in a, in a square hole. Um, so yeah it it makes um it makes perfect sense that that's something that we're going to have to keep an eye on and what we do it.
3: know what what we do know is it's not going to be quick because in this day and age with uh horse welfare and health and safety and everything it, if it's a particularly dry spell on the lead up to uh the festival it it it, it won't be any quicker than good to soft so
2: yeah.
3: um, they will put water on it um if necessary and then you know you then you have to bear in mind that if you get a shower on top of that um it can suddenly turn from good to soft to soft very quickly so uh what we do know is it's not going to be quick um but it like like, like we've just i don't want to go on about it but you do really have to keep an eye on what's going on ground wise
2: Yep. And we'll be doing some anti post specials on the Final Front End podcast as well, where I'm sure uh, we'll talk more about that too. Um, but no, it's it's worth considering and worth thinking about. Um, and uh, I think we're both of the mindset that we'd go for the Gold Cup with Eldorado Allen as I think about Aloha absolutely bolting up in the Ryanair. But what would you do? Uh, let us know at Radio Emmet on the tweet machine. Uh, radio E M M E T, and um, we might read it out next week. Uh, Thumble Savola wins for the wine tipster Neil Phillips, who's one of the nicest men that you can meet. We had him on Talksport on Thursday. Um, he's a significant shareholder in the horse, and um, I love this horse. I don't. I asked him why uh, on Talksport too. Why? Why was there this attempt to go up and trip with him? Why did you go to mile four? Uh, and then go for it again on New Year's Day. And um, he explained it very well. Uh, they just they thought maybe he was starting to develop stamina. Maybe they would have uh, more of an option, but they've quickly obviously realized that no, two miles is, is much better for him. Um, speaking of TalkSport, he was live uh, on the 28th of January at Doncaster. Uh, we covered that race live. I thought he was a solid moral that day, and... Um, I got talked around on the podcast, as I was saying to Matt Polly beforehand uh, by Matt Toombs into So Royal. But I I was on Talk Sport too, very confident about uh, Fumble Savola and thought that he should have been a favorite for the race, uh, that the market was all wrong. So here's another example of a Paul Nichols horse being beaten in Hitman uh, and a highly regarded Paul Nichols horse as well. Uh, so Royal sets a very, very high standard and Fumble Savola has done it quite impressively, I thought, in the end. Um and now comes into the reckoning for the champion chase. Whether he appeals to you remains to be seen. We'll we'll find out from you in a second. Uh, he's around about sixteens for the champion chase, uh, where he'll be facing Shishkin and Ergamine, Shakan Purswal and the rest. Uh, what did you make of his performance?
3: I thought it was great. Um you know what a what a great horse to own, you know, what a fun horse to own. He's done absolutely nothing wrong. Um, whatsoever in his career so far, and he t- just looks like he's starting to to find a little bit. I mean, he is. I mean, I haven't stood up to him in the flesh, but he does look really small, and he mm. does get low at his uh, fences. But you know, he carries weight um, well, and I love the fact that he he was relentless. Really, he he did he did get a low low at a couple, and you thought, oh, is that gonna you know, is that gonna stop him in his tracks but he was relentless and you know the fact that um, so Royal and um, it man had a had a little bit of a go at him um, and never even seriously looked like getting to him did they and uh, he galloped all the way through the line and um, must be a cracking horse to own um, there's kind of I don't know what he's going to go up for, for winning that but um, you know if he goes up if he goes up six pounds for winning that, he's going to be off one sixty, and you know, that's going to put him in with the the big boys for probably the rest of his career. Um, he's beat so well, which is a good, he's a good yardstick. There's no doubt about that. Um, I think he ran a decent race in the Queen Mother last year. We got hampered. Um, Hitman must be the most disappointing horse in training. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he, when he came over and he won his novice chase I thought I thought this was a potential queen mother horse um he's only six so not going to be too too harsh I mean he's, de- he's definitely shown glimmers but every time I watch him run I'm expecting something and it just doesn't happen um but um obviously number Civil is going to find it going to find it hard when he mixes it with the likes of uh, Shishkin and um and, and those you mean, Shack and Porsoir, you know, even Nuba Negra, to a certain extent, horses like that. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if he if 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 he if he if he ran third or fourth. But um, I think he's got a fair bit to to find. But that shouldn't take away from his performance on on Saturday, which was uh, you know super impressive.
2: I think he's definitely a horse who can be in the frame in the champion chase. And Venetia Williams was talking about this afterwards and she said, We'll you know, we'll discuss our options, but it'll be a quick conversation. We're going there. Uh, so I quite like that. And um, the champion chase is very much about Shishkin and Ergamine, Shakan Pursua, uh Nubay Negra, I suppose to a certain extent, but I'm I wouldn't be Overly sold there Green Team was awful At the Dublin Racing Festival Um, Envoy Lan Really should have done it Much easier um, When he won At Christmas time At Leopardstown Uh, But I suppose There's the argument To be put forward That He's a champion bumper winner A Ballymore winner And was being sent off Favourite for the The JLT Now Turners Novice's Chase last season When he took a tumble um, and is maybe now getting back on track, but it's it's not exactly a race that would put a, an awful lot of um, fear into you uh, in terms of lining up on the day. Like, you should be prepared to go there. It's just the fact that, as I say that, it's almost impossible to see Shishkin not being in the first three. On the basis of their Ascot run, it's very hard then to see how Anerga means not in the first three. So then you're looking at what Shaq and What turns up. If the Shaq and Porsoir from the Dublin Racing Festival turns up, then he might win. Um, And I don't really buy into this whole thing if he doesn't travel. The Tinkle Creek, Willie's horses weren't, they were just kind of turning the corner at the time. He never really traveled at all that day. Um... And they rode him, they made a balls of it last year in terms of how they, they rode him in the race. So if they allow him to, if they ride him like they did in Leopardstown, then you're looking at a very different proposition. And uh, it sets up a very exciting a very exciting race, which could result in, in a mistake from a horse. And if Shishkin, for example, was to make a mistake like he did at Ascot in the Clarence House, he was able to get away with it that day because there was nothing to bounce into or or to be hampered by. Um, whereas if he makes that mistake in the Champion Chase in a bigger field, you might not quite get away with it. Um, then again, Shishkin does look like a bullet. He just looks like a machine. So it's it's a fascinating race, and I say go for it. Best of luck to them. Um,
3: I'm, I'm I'm not suge- I'm not suggesting the Green Team. Grenatine is a potential winner, but I'd definitely put a line through uh, that Town run. I I'd
2: think. put a line through every Paul Nichols horse who was yeah. disappointed in the last few weeks.
3: So the, the ground the ground was against him. Um Bryony took a strange course down the down yeah, the Yeah, Everybody else rail. went
2: wide and she went to yeah. the inside.
3: Yeah. And um Captain she I mean Green Team beat Captain Guinness in the um, in the Tingle Creek, uh, and Captain Guinness was not a bad yardstick. Actually, he finished. Did he finish? Did he finish second that day in that Irish race? Oh, um, uh, behind behind Check and Plus um, One. Did he finish second behind
2: Shaq, Shaq And where in the Dublin Racing Festival?
3: Yeah, no, that no, was, was third. that was uh, Don Vegan. He, he was third. Yeah, Don Vegan was second, and Captain. Um, but he won't you know he was, he, was, um, he was
2: 17 lengths back though
3: yeah yeah, he was yeah but I mean Grenatine's finished in front of uh, Captain Guinness in the uh, in the Tingle Creek is what I'm saying so I'd definitely put a line through um, that Dublin festival run and I think back on good ground if Nichols horses are in better form I could see I could see Grenatine um, potentially running into a place in that race
2: okay all right, we'll see. We, we can talk about it more closer to the time. Uh, the Betfair Hurdle went to glory and fortune for Stan Shepard and Tom Lacey. Fantastic result for them. Uh, not for us, though, because we were on I Like to Move It. Damn you, Stan Shepherd! <laughs> Terrific ride from Stan. And um, I I love the spraying and, spray and cash movement that he made uh, as his team come towards him um, after doing the interview on telly. Uh, First Street was identified by Matt's potential Nicky Henderson plot horse here as well, and uh, one to put up each way. So, um, we almost had the forecast. Uh, But hey, look, if you backed, i like to move it, and First Street each way, let us know. Matt's done you a big favour, and we almost had the win. Uh, This was a a thrilling finish. Delighted for Tom Lacey. Tom, you'll know, will have come through the the point-to-point sector and have to see his good horses get shipped off to other yards uh that's not necessarily the case anymore and stan shepherd is just a very very talented young man who has um has worked exceptionally hard uh a million in prize money over the last five seasons and he's i think he's going for the champion hurdle and he can he can dream now why the hell not um what was your take on the race overall
3: Um. Yeah, a, a slightly, slightly a shock winner for me. Um, despite the fact that he's, uh, you know, shown a decent decent level of form at a, a high grade, but he, you know, he had, um, he had plenty of weight, didn't he? And I think, you know, with, with these big handicaps, they're always targeted. That it's an angle I I like. We, you know, we we had the. Race at Kempton, the Lanzarote, um, where the novice won at Cobblers Dream. I love the the novice angle in these competitive handicaps because they're literally, you know, still potentially below their mark. And there was a few horses that come into this uh, race, like the Henderson horse, Broomfield Berg, and um, Chateau, which was my particular fancy, um, and they just didn't, they just didn't come up to scratch.
2: Not sale um, again as well.
3: Another one yeah, for I mean, no,
2: yeah, um,
3: you can't, there were no excuses for them, really. They just weren't good enough on the day. Obviously, I like to move it. A novice, you know, another fantastic training performance from Nigel Twiston-Davis. Um, guy's absolute master um, in these handicaps. He, know, he knows which horses to put in them. Um, absolute genius, the guy. So... Um, obviously a deserving winner, one fair and square. Um, No two ways about that, but, um, you know, and he's going to face a formidable task in the, in the, in the champion hurdle, but he's probably only got one horse to beat in all fairness, unless appreciated turns up, which I guess is still possibly in the balance. He's only got one horse to fear technically, I suppose, in, in Honeysuckle. So if you're going to have a go in a champion hurdle, I think, um, you know definitely have a go this season because you know it's up for grabs if um honeysuckle doesn't run her race for whatever reason, it's literally anyone's. Um, but um, so yeah, definitely have a go with him. And I think first street run a nice race, he's going to make a lovely chaser. Uh, he's only five, he'll it, it, be he'll be a tool over fences and um, brilliant ride from Nick Schofield. I don't know if you clocked Lord Oh, Badson. yeah.
2: It was, I was
3: literally tailed off for most of the race, and unbelievably was produced at the last with half a chance. Um, so ten out of ten for perseverance for um, for Nick Schofield. That was an incredible, ride. And um, as I my, my my selection in the race was J'Etoile, uh, who's run an absolute shocker. Now uh, this horse, I wouldn't say gave Constitution Hill a fright by any stretch of the imagination, but it was only nine lengths behind Constitution Hill at Sandown. And, you know, for for a majority of the the race, gave gave him, um, gave him a, a, a race. But he was awful. I don't know whether the ground was a bit too quick for him or whether he just didn't go quick enough in front, but he stopped rapidly and finished out the back of the television. So, um, I'm not suggesting that's a black mark against Constitution Hill by any stretch of the imagination, but I think if you're Con- Constitution Hill fans, you'd want to see J12 run a bit a bit better than he did um, on Saturday. But, he, he, I mean, he may well just have had a, a, an off day, but, um, yeah, it was a competitive race, as per usual, and congrats to the winners.
2: Mm. You kind of want to see them all run a bit better, don't you? You want to see... Like, might I come out and, and win, or... Um, yeah, I
3: mean, oh, g has run so badly. Yeah. Um, you know, you eight to one shot for that, for a competitive handicap like that, and he's literally fallen out the back of the television. JPR1 was another disappointment for the Tizzards, and, you know, it's just... Uh, it is the nature of that race. It's a super competitive handicap, as, as usual, but... Um, no, fair you know, glory and fortune. If you're gonna have a go in the in the champion, definitely have a crack this year because take honeysuckle out and it's up for grabs for sure.
2: Yep. And hey, nothing wrong with finishing second or third or fourth no, for that matter not, no. in the champion no. hurdle, particularly with the prize money that's up for grabs. Um appreciated. It's now looking I thought what they were gonna do with appreciate it was go for and I thought this just seemed really obvious, was go for the the red mill turtle on mm. red mill's trials day at gorn particularly given that it's uh, willie's local track but now it, it appears as though that's it's like yeah we could but he's more than happy to prep him at home um
3: well yeah i mean Penn hill one of the best training performances you'll ever see
2: oh phenomenal Covega um five Covega times
3: every every year yeah Every year, except her, um, for her
2: first one. First one, she she had a prep, but um, yeah. then then her her follow ups were all her season reappearance, um, which is just extraordinary yeah. when you think about it. Um, I mean, he,
3: get, he gets he gets album photo to the Gold Cup in good shape the last couple of years. Once you know, I know he was on the back of the Tremor runs, but uh, you know, for a horse that doesn't run at all, he he's turned up. Uh, in good shape there a couple of times.
2: That's another good shout. Yeah. So hey, maybe it's maybe it's not something to be concerned about. But um
3: he's a he's a really good horse. I appreciate it. There's no like if he turns up um I think Honeysuckle will know about it. There's, he's you know I, I was really excited to for him to go novice chasing and obviously that that plan got scrapped um earlier on in the season. But um I just wonder: Is he will he will he go novice chasing at all now? If he turns up in the champion hurdle wins wins it, will that be him for the rest of his career over hurdles? Because he's you know he's what eight or nine eight now, I think. Eight, eight. Yeah, so he'd be nine yeah.
2: going for the Oracle next season. Yeah, mm, depends on what the owners want to do, but I I think that's a very fair shout. Um, and you kind of have to see it. You kind of have to. To see him do it. Um, mm. By the way, there's another advert from Master McShee He was second to uh, the only horse to properly give appreciated a fright over hurdles, mm. Master McXie. Um But um, call back there from earlier in the show. But yeah, he's beaten Bally Adam, and Bally Adam hasn't done the enormous amount for the form. But I wouldn't. It's just odd that a horse who has not run at all this season is such a short prize for the champion hurdle. Meanwhile, the Christmas hurdle winner is just being disrespected. A <laughs> yeah, for, mm. former champion hurdle winner. It's like, nah. Um, Zana here has proven himself capable of getting close to, well, as close as Rachel will allow him to get. Um, <laughs> you know, he could, he could run a, a big race. And we haven't seen Adagio uh, since the Great Wood. So, uh, remains to be seen there. But yeah, if as you said, if you're going to go for it, go for it this season. And um, uh, it's... The county hurdle, you would say, well, why wouldn't you go for that? But apparently, it's the champion is what they want to go for. So you know what, roll the dice, go for it. Um, they're mm-hmm. the ones who who spend all their time with the horse; they know the horse better. And um, as Matt has very eloquently said, if you're going to roll the dice at all, this is the season to do it. You've got only one horse to be afraid of, um, so you're more than you're going to be more than happy with second or third. Uh, Marie's Rock wins at Warwick in the uh, listed hurdle um beating gettatonic indefatigable was pretty disappointing 12 links back for Paul Weber and um this was uh, a case of once Aiden Coleman just said go please she really quickened up impressively uh she wasn't fluent at the second last and that could have cost her but she has she has that turn of foot and I thought she did it quite smartly
3: she did um but she's if you had to have a horse running for your life she she wouldn't be your first choice would she i mean um she, no
2: way.
3: she um she definitely got two ways of running and when she's on song is. She's, she's a smart mare but she's got a strange head carriage she wears a sheepskin nose band because she pokes her nose in the air and uh you know, there was a couple of times she was on and off the bride a little bit there, but then when she she moved up, turning in, and she and she was she was behind the the, the front three, and the gap came. She she did. She shot through it, and uh, and she galloped all the way to the line. Which, you know, you wouldn't guarantee that every time, but you know, she's a she's a smart mare. It's hard to knock winners. You, I'm not going to knock winners. I mean they're really hard to come by and, you know, if you owned it, you'd be absolutely, you'd be absolutely delighted. I don't think the race was run to suit in the fact of the ball. I think she's a, she's a grinder. Um, you know, she needs probably three miles and, and a bit more juice in the ground. And I think the small field and slightly slower tempo uh, did for her, but, um yeah, probably just that change of gear that Maria's Rock had. um You know, she, she did the business, but, Oof, you know, she's one of them, isn't she? There's, you know, she's a, she's a, she's a win or, or at the back of the television merchant, but, uh, I'd definitely still like to own her. Cause we all like winners, don't we?
2: Oh, absolutely. And, you know, fair play to them in that regard, but it's, it's interesting the way you put that, like she was seventh in the Great Wood, then she wins, then she's pulled up, then she wins. That's just the way she is really. Um, and apparently, uh, according to connections, it's the mayor's hurdle is the race she's going to go for. She is in the Coral Cup, but the mayor's hurdle is what they, they want to go for. And it might be the weakest mayor's hurdle I've seen for quite some time. Like Molly Alley's wishes is, is very interesting. I'm an enormous fan of Stormy Ireland. I think Stormy Ireland wins this, quite frankly. Um, but and then there's uh Royal Kala as well but Royal Kala was so good over 3 miles you just wonder is there a possibility that they'd go for the stairs with her um if she's in both uh so you you have your your choice uh for the Fahi team but um yeah we'll have to we'll have to wait and see how that plays out but uh, it appears as though it's going to be the mayor's hurdle, and if she does rock up there, she's not an HOA proposition. She's she's win or um, however you would like. Now, uh, we talked about maybe a slight over-cockiness, over overconfidence is a much more better way of putting it, so let's go with that instead, uh, from certain people within Irish media about... And, and hey, look, I've joked... Quite a, quite a lot about how, oh uh, yeah, we're going to rock up at Cheltenham and just destroy the whole place. Um, the more I look at the Cheltenham anti-post markets, uh, there's obviously an awful lot of strength and depth for Irish horses. There is a mindset that is slowly but surely creeping in for me that actually there's a lot of very talented British horses that are not being given the credit that they deserve. And my suggestion to Matt uh, on the show on Thursday was if Edward Stone wins, he becomes Arco favours. And I think he misinterpreted what I was saying because he went, it'll be either Blue Lord or Rivier Detel who'll be favoured on the day. But Edward Stone did win. He's buried third-time lucky, who is now... He's a real yo-yo horse for the um, third-time lucky fans. It's a bit like investing in crypto. You're having a real yo-yo year, or do, <laughs> if you've if you've invested in uh, him for the Arkle, because you've had the excitement of him getting down to eight to one, maybe as short as sixes. Um, then he's disappointed and he's gone out to twenties. Then he's come back down to sixes, and now he's back out to twenties again. Um, and on the basis of this, he would have zero chance with Edward Stone. I thought this was hugely impressive and. Um, terrific for for Alan King and for Tom Cannon as well because they're both gentlemen and uh, Cheltenham success would be most welcome for them. He's a series series tool.
3: Let me start with a slight negative.
2: Oh, go on then, go on. But
3: I will I will balance it out with a positive. After, but what I will say about this year's article. If you'd have said at the start of the season that the potential joint favorite to go and to be Edward stone and blue Lord, you would raise your eyebrows. Agreed. When we potentially had, when we, when we potentially had appreciated Fernie Hollow, we're talking about, we're talking about Edward stone. Now here come the positives, thankfully. Alan King's done really well with this horse, because when this horse was a youngster, he was difficult. Um, I don't know that personally, but from what I could see, he was difficult. He pulled ridiculously hard. He refused to settle. um, And they've done really well with him. He's grown up. I always thought, not after timing here, but I always thought he'd be a better chaser than Hurdler, because I just thought the fences would, would make him back off a little bit and not be so headstrong, which... You know, thankfully, with experience and age, has happened. Um, and he's undoubtedly a better chaser than he was hurdler. But if you actually look back through this horse's hurdle form, um, you know he's been he's been beat in a lot of handicaps. Um, you know, compared to handicaps, you know he's 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 there or thereabouts. Um, uh, he had a he had a decent he had a decent season twenty twenty one he did unseat in a novice chase at Donkestone, and they they reverted back to um, hurdling where he he finished fifth in the in the county hurdle and then he was third in a, in a two and a half mile hurdle at Aintree handicap again you know he was rated mid mid to high one forties over hurdles now if you said to me this horse was going to end up favourite for the article. I'd have been I'd have if he'd have said to me what Price Edward Stone at the start of the year for the Arkle, I'd be I'd been saying fourteen, sixteen. Now he's what?
2: Two to one.
3: Eleven to four. Yeah. Yeah. Well two to one, yeah, crazy. But that is purely because of the obviously what's happened during the season and based on what he's done so far and based on the opposition, then he is a worthy two to one favourite. And what I liked what he did on um saturday was that tom cannon showed him a lot of daylight um and he wasn't keen and he took it up earlier than he usually does so he saw plenty of daylight and he took it up turning in and he galloped all the way to the line so there's there was this feeling with this horse that you possibly needed to hang on to him and hang on to him and then deliver him um, just to keep him settled but he relaxed really well at warwick he had plenty of chance to be king because because Tom Cannon had him wide and he and he sent him on, um, you know, and he knew that third time lucky was stalking. Uh, he, you know, he wasn't concerned about that, and he saw off third time lucky with, with, with a with a minimum of fuss. Um, so, having been negative about Edward Stone at the start of my um, piece. He actually he's fully deserves to be the favourite in the current market with the current opposition but it was just a little bit surprising to me that this is how it's this is how it's panned out and and Blue Lord to a certain extent um, young horse not many miles on the clock and we can you know history dictates that some horses are undoubtedly better over fences than they are over, hur- over hurdles uh, and, and vice versa I mean you know, if some of our listeners are old enough, when you when you um, think back to horses like the golden era of Viking flagships and um, a Remittance Man, um, all horses like this, who were okay hurdlers um, but excelled over fences, and obviously you get the reverse of that, horses that um, um, are not great chasers and they revert back to, hurdle and, and then excel like big bucks and boom and dare horse, horses like this. Um, there's no doubt that horses can improve um, when they go from hurdles to, uh, to fences. And Blue Lord seems to be another one of those um, horses as well, that he had um, some okay form over hurdles, but seems to have taken to chasing really well. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there's obviously... What price? What price would Blue Lord be in the, in a Champion Hurdle if he'd stayed hurdling? Be twenty to one, wouldn't he? Easily <laughs> twenty five to one. And now he's what favourite for the Arkle, but um, second favourite for the Arkle. Um, but that's that's just the nature of of you know the the, the way um, that that particular race has panned out. So based on what they've done, they probably deserve to be at the top. But I certainly wouldn't rule out the mare. We finished second to um, Blue Lord. Mm. Um, made a mistake at the last and only failed to get back up. Um, she's having, got the allowance. Yeah, absolutely, and, and got the allowance as well. I, 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 there's, I, for me, there shouldn't be anything um, in price between Blue Lord and Riviere de Tel. They, they should be they should be equal. Um, there's nothing between those two, and I think possibly. You know, if if the prices were um, agreeable, I'd I'd definitely take the Mare over Blue Lord.
2: Well, we put her up at 12s for the article. I think you could get 14s. And three days after that podcast went live, she was 7s and 6s. Yeah. So we've hopefully we're on the right track to get in the gravy. Uh, and it was intriguing to hear Ruby Walsh talk to Lydia Hislop on Roach Cheltenham and say, if it was him in the steward's room, he'd have turned it around. He'd have yeah. given the rest of the review to tell. I thought that was a very, very intriguing one. Because it was, I was, I didn't want to, I, I talked about uh, on, on the last podcast, how, well, on, what was it? Yeah, Thursday podcast. I, I could have uh, gone into the press room. I could have gone into to the tote corporate box. I didn't want to do that. I wanted to be in the stands. I wanted to experience the whole uh, Dublin Racing Festival with my friends, for one thing, but also um, with, with the fans, um, with listeners to this show. I wanted to be able to then give an authentic assessment of what the Dublin Racing Festival was like instead of, no disrespect to, to certain colleagues, but you know, you're in the press room all day, you're not on, in the grandstand. Yeah, you can hear what the fans are, are yelling, but you're not experiencing what it's actually like to be there, nor are you experiencing the delays and queues, uh, which were then significantly approved on, on the Sunday. Um, and it was one of the longest stewards' inquiries that I can ever remember being on a, a track for. Uh, and the longer it went on the more you thought well there has to be a reason for this they must be going to turn it around um and and the more the more it was replayed the more you saw just how hampered she was um and she she also has experience of sheldon you know she was only beaten six and a quarter lengths by Jeff Kitter in the in the boodles last season so um I think she's a serious player I think she's a yeah I was, she,
3: She's a really strong stayer as well at two miles. She's almost the type where you, you know, she can take a bit of a grip, but she's almost the type where maybe next year you might step her up to to two and a half. I think she'd get two and a half um, in a year's time. Mm. And I love, I love, I love a strong stayer. It's about Shishkin. I love a strong stayer over two miles. If they can hold their pitch, it's absolutely crucial, you know, especially at Cheltenham when you start climbing to the, to the finish um you don't want any chinks i don't think um in your stamina and I, to me she she strikes me as a horse is definitely going to get two and a half in time and I, I could see her charging up the hill
2: yeah that's that's how i picture it as well i think she'll be a very very strong stare um and she's got plenty of experience plenty of chasing experience plenty of experience full stop of racing and I think she's a major, major player. I'd much prefer to be with her at 9 to two than three to one Blue Lord. Um that being said said, I think that Edward Stone is a is a massive obstacle to overcome. And um I think he's a he's an enormous player. And um you know, where where there is that um confidence, overconfidence from from us in Ireland it could easily be the first two races go to britain could easily be the first two races are, are won by by uk because it's constitution hill and john Bonn are going to be massive players in the supreme um and then you've got edward stone um so to to counter that uh i, I think he's a he's a huge player and uh, he's also won the right races i mean look back on Races that he's won this season, and look at the caliber of horse that have taken those races in the past, the likes of Altior, Surname, um, Shishkin. He's he's a huge player, um, and he has buried third time lucky there. Uh, also, over the weekend we saw Ciel de Niege, and you were interested in in mentioning him. Um, so he's seven now. His only entry for the festival is is indeed. Uh, the Oracle. and uh, he's won by five and a half lengths from Joseph O'Brien's fire attack and um, there was a lot of talk about, you raised me up uh, going into the race. Um a bit disappointed with Grand Bournan, but it, it appears as though that seemed to be almost what they expected because he drifted from fives, I think, overnight out to fourteens. Um, what did you make of uh, Ciel de Niege
3: I thought it was. I thought it was um, a, a decent performance. I thought he, he looked a little bit in trouble uh, turning in. I think Fire Attack actually jumped past him and um, and looked like he was going to be a major threat. But as soon as Mark Walsh got stuck into him, he he, he went past Fire Attack, looked he was stood still and galloped all the way to the line. And based on our chat about it possibly being a slightly below par. Arkle I certainly wouldn't put anyone off him each way um at around 20s I think whatever whatever he is now because um you know I think it's you know it's not as it's not as deep a race um as it sometimes is so he'd definitely go over their chance the only thing i would say is that he probably wouldn't he wouldn't want it he'd, he'd want it on the softer side so that would be my only concern maybe is if it was a dry spell. Like I said earlier, they will put water on, um, so it's not going to be quick. But there's a difference between good to soft and soft, like winter ground. So um I think you would want plenty of cut in it if so if it rained. Um I certainly won't put anyone off him each way at around twenties.
2: Yeah. Um you can get twenties. It's generally sixteens and I'd be much more interested in him than those in behind uh, Edward Stone uh, at the weekend. Um, Another horse that I'm slightly intrigued by is Jungle Boogie, but we'll leave that for another day. Um, He's been difficult to train apparently, but he's clearly got an awful lot of talent. Um, the, uh, The next race to talk about is the 315 uh, Warwick. Uh, Celebrate de Hollande! Uh, so he was coming over from France. Uh, he made the made the jump from um, uh, Louisa Carberry uh, to Philip Hobbs at the age of nine. And this is becoming a bit of a pattern. We're starting to see this now. Uh, and it's not a case of that he's been bought. There are certain horses that are are bought at that age, to go racing in, in the UK. But this is a horse where uh, Alan's tennis has decided I'm going to move the horse to the UK. Won twice at Haydock and um, has now won at uh, Warwick as well. And I thought uh, with a fine performance, um, mm-hmm. this was uh, switching from hurdles and which he was obviously two from two from uh, to... To chasing and he's gonna be going for the festival place. Um and I think he'll be a big, big player there.
3: Yeah, I mean it was um it was impressive for Tom O'Brien riding with a lot of confidence for sure, and um it's relatively short running at Warwick once you've jumped the last and he 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 showed a burst of speed, which is You know, wasn't expecting him to quicken up as well as that, considering you know we're talking about an ex-French horse here who um, has run in the mud, uh, and it does get deep in France. We know that an awful lot. Well, for the majority of his career, and his two hurdle wins uh, in this country, um, leading up to this Warwick performance, were in heavy ground. So the fact that the ground was good. uh, good to soft at Warwick. And he showed that, he showed that little burst in the last 150 yards it has to be encouraging for anyone. Uh, if, if he does get a Cheltenham fancies them at, at Cheltenham, and I, I guess they were, they were fairly pleased to see that the connections. Cause um, um, there's no doubt it was impressive. I mean, he's 10 years old. He, it's hard to imagine he's improving. Um, he, he might be aren't he? Yeah. some horses just get in a, a rich vein of form and um produce the goods in a relatively short space of time don't they and he might be one of these you know he could be on a roll and um uh, and run up a sequence but um you know i think if he was a if he was a six or seven year old you'd be you'd be quite excited about him but the fact that he's 10 does just just does just take the the, the edge off it a little bit, but um, clearly he's in a he, he's in great heart at the moment. Clearly now handles goodish ground, so if it's goodish at Cheltenham, um, it's not going to phase him. And yeah, go there with every chance.
2: Is he wearing the same colours as Ballynagar and Saliflow? Saint- yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I wonder why he didn't go to David then. How he ended up with Philip and not not David, seeing as David Pipe did the business for him um, before. I um, Don't know, but anyway, well done to Philip Hobbs. He's got a, a genuine Cheltenham contender on his hands, and I would be, I wouldn't be uh, quick to to put him to one side. He'll be definitely on the short list. Um, we'll uh, move to Journey with me. So uh, this is the horse who uh, <clears throat> had uh, the. The notable scalp was Kilcrut that he had taken, and Kilcrut has subsequently come out, of course, and, and won very impressively. Uh, now, you could argue, well, he would want to. He was fives on. He did get beaten at 14s on. Um, the shortest price favored ever, I think, in the history of Irish racing to be beaten, uh, or at least the second. I think he's the shortest price. Correct me on that on the tweet machine at Radio Emish if I'm wrong. Um, but, uh, has, has since gone on, uh, to win by 21 lengths. Manel Krooner, who was in behind, of course, has finished second at the Dublin racing festival. And, um, Journey With Me, uh, wins very convincingly over two mile three at the weekend, uh, beating choice of words. And O'Toole, uh, who'd be a horse that I hold in, in pretty high regard. Um, the question, I suppose, is going to be, where does he go next? Uh, he was, to a certain extent, a little bit workmanlike, but I suspect that was more due to, due to the fact that it was just a farcical, farcically run race, and Rachel has just had to go on and, and make it. Um, in terms of of the festival, Henry Drumhead has come out and said, Ballymore, but. I suspect, because we've talked about it beforehand, uh, and um, not that I'm mind-reading, mind that you're not of that mindset. So, first of all, what did you make of his his performance and what do you think his Cheltenham target should be?
3: Well, he can't knock a, a horse, really, that, that, that that's won. He's, um, he's clearly on an upward trajectory, but to me, he just looks like an out-and-out an out stayer. He looks like a big horse. He's got a big stride. He doesn't do anything quickly, and you know, pe- people can disagree with me. Um, that's, that's absolutely fine. You know, these are these are just my thoughts, my opinions, and I'm basing it on 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 what I
2: see. And um, you are entitled people. to them, sir. You are entitled <laughs> to them. Um,
3: but I, I, this horse looks like a, a, a an out and out stay. He looks like an Albert Bartlett type all day long um i just got this feeling that at cheltenham and we talk about the ground again i'm guessing it's going to be just slightly on the soft side of good as it is most years um and i just think two and a half miles well let's say what two mile five to ballymore um i just got a feeling that there might be some quicker horses in that race than him on on good ground and you need, to, you need to travel in those races. You need to hold your position coming down the hill. You need to be in the firing line turning in. And for me, I think he'd be better served by the three-mile uh, novice. I think he'd be able to hold his position um, a, a bit better. It, he just looks, without being rude, he just looks a bit slow. And that's that, That's just my, that, that's my opinion on it. But, you know, I've got opinions on various other horses that are running in, in, in races at, uh, at Cheltenham. If, if Sir Gerhard goes for the Ballymore, Sir Gerhard's going to have much more pace than journey with me. No, no doubt about it. Um, but this is all, we're all guessing at the moment to a certain extent as to where horses are going to go. Um, I imagine that Dysart Dynamo, if he goes for the Ballymore would have much more pace than journey with me. Um,
2: I think Jinto would, with me, Jinto would be faster.
3: Um, yeah, I think so. I think it, I've I've seen Jinto quicken up when 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 pressure's come to shove. Yeah. Not we're not talking electric, but I've seen him change gear. Whereas this horse, to me, just looks like he's gonna. It, it, you know, he's gonna be a staying chaser. There's no doubt about that. He, you know, he could be like an Irish National horse. Um, something like that. That's that's how he looks to me.
2: I agree with you. And I've been a little bit surprised at this rush to put him up for the Ballymore um, from some. And again, look, each to their own, and everybody's entitled to, to their own opinion. Um, <laughs> and if he goes and does a Bob Ollinger on it, then fair play. Uh, I just, there's a part of me that looks at him and thinks, is this a Bob Ollinger syndrome? Like, is this a case of, oh, well, Bob Ollinger carried these colours to victory, and City Island won this, this uh, particular race um, uh, a few years ago before going on to win uh, at the Cheltenham Festival. Therefore, ipso facto, he's going to go and do the same thing. Uh, and it doesn't work that way. It'd be great if it did, um, but it doesn't. And uh, it makes the game much more intriguing Uh, and and much more interesting. And I know that in his pedigree, you can look back and and see that there's horses there who won over two miles and two mile two, but he does look like a bit of a boat to me in the making. He does look like um, a horse who's going to stay. And the fact that Manella Crooner will be headed to the potato race, and that's a horse he beat. uh, Kilcrut could end up from anything to the... Supreme Novice's hurdle to the Martin Pipe. Who knows? Who knows where he currently stands in William Mullins pecking order? And who knows where he's going to go? Um, and the fact that he jumped, to quote the great and powerful Jerry Hannon, like a bag of spanners on his first two starts over hurdles isn't exactly uh, indicative of me then uh, jumping around the place and using him as. as um, you know, particularly when he's had to wear a tongue tie and that may be the, the thing that's brought out the improvement in him to, to use him as uh, a standard bearer. Um, I bring this up because it's, it's what people have said about journey with me for the Valley I, I just don't see it personally. Um, willing to be wrong, willing to be wrong, but I, I don't, I don't see it. So I'd be 110% with you. Um, and if you do want to back him for Cheltenham, uh, I would suggest that it's in the potato race. I would suggest that that's what you go for. And the price that you get for the potato race right now is 14s. Whereas he's maximum fives for the Ballymore. And I don't think he's as good as Ginto. Or as fast. Um, he's definitely not as fast as Sir Gerard. I think Dicer Dynamo is too fast for the Ballymore. Um, walking on air will need another run but Nikki sounded very confident about him when he was on the show Nikki even made the point that John Bond could be the one who goes up and trip Constitution Hill seems like he's not going anywhere he's staying for the Supreme and that's that uh, largely due to the fact that Michael Buckley has a significantly large wager on the horse at 33 to 1 for the Supreme So um, he does not want to run in another race. He's going to go there. Uh, So John Bond could go up and trip. And he, Willie, uh, Nicky's view was, he wouldn't have a problem with that. Um, And then as for Willie, Willie does like to split his horses. And it's more likely to be Sir Gerard, who you could pick holes in his jumping at the DRF, uh, than Dice's Domino, in my view. So, fascinating we'll yeah, you, learn- could.
3: You, you could you could pick holes in his jumping that was potentially why i think maybe stepping up to the ballymore might might aid that if they just go a slightly steadier tempo mm. which we would do than the supreme yeah that might aid his jumping but uh, all will be revealed
2: i'm glad you said that because i think the supreme will be his undoing actually uh briefly lma so second in the Mare's Chase last year. She's won the opera hat beating Court Maid. Uh, can she go one better in the Mare's Chase this year, Cheltenham?
3: Well, I mean, all, all, all her victory did at the weekend was prove that she's in she's in uh, good form. It was essentially a walkover. She just had to, had to get round. But um, is she better on soft ground? Is she going to get soft ground at Cheltenham? Is she slightly vulnerable on good ground? Um, not really something that I've given an awful lot of uh, thought to, but she's um, she's definitely talented. That's for sure.
2: We're gonna have to call up our official final Furlong podcast weather forecaster um, from ITV and uh, and and get her on the air to um, to have a, a proper. Conversation with this because I I genuinely have no clue what kind of uh, ground is gonna uh, pop up at um, at uh, at Cheltenham. I mean, it's odds on most likely that it's gonna be good to soft, uh, but Holly Green is gonna have to get a, a call from us, and uh, we'll we'll get a we'll get a weather special from from Holly. Um, You do, looking at her, she does look as though she's a horse who, who is just very well suited to to those kind of conditions. Um, and if she gets good to soft to Cheltenham, a repeat of last year's efforts against the incredibly game Cole Reavy, who, let's not forget, had won the Faheen Novices' Chase at, at Limerick and then would go on and uh, win again at the Punchestown Festival. So um, if she can... Repeat that, then she should be good enough. The question is: is it just a stronger race this year? Um, that's where it becomes a little. Well, I
3: think. Yeah, I mean, concertista. Um, uh, she, she does is, come up the hill well at Cheltenham it, it.
2: You does she come up the the hill well? Is that what you're saying?
3: Yeah, yeah, she does. I think she comes up the hill really well.
2: Is she a horse who looks a natural chaser to you?
3: Um. Yeah,
2: I think she's,
3: I think she's, I think she's fine. Okay. Mm -hmm. Do you, would you agree with
2: that? I just wonder if the reason that they went chasing, obviously because she's a novice and when you're dealing with horses who are short prices, you have to start asking serious questions, which is why you'd be so critical of a horse like Journey With Me. Um, You know, when Journey With Me starts going down to fours um, for such a competitive race. Then you have to start asking serious questions of that horse, and um, when she's a top price eleven to four, Concertista, uh, was it two? She's basically nine to four. Um, she's going in there on the back of two runs, and she's a novice. So there's um there's a part of me that just thinks that it's a. It's a very clever piece of, of placing from Willie in the sense that he's looked at it and gone, well, she's not going to win the mares. Um, whereas in actual fact, the mares isn't as strong as we probably thought it was, or was, or at least looked as though it was going to be on paper, uh, the mares hurdle. So they've gone over fences, and um, maybe she'll be fine, but, but maybe she won't be. Uh, she's Finished second in the mayor's novice hurdle um she's she's won um uh, the mayor's novice hurdle in a year later and it was only a head that got her beaten in, in the mayor's hurdle last season but um I think she's she's one thing
3: she's got she got some size and some scope so that's true I think um you know I mean Ellie may but it's always hard to gauge what these horses um, look like. From I've been surprised before when I've seen horses on the television and then seen them in the flesh. They don't it doesn't always correlate. But Ellie Mae looks very small to me and very narrow. She's like two plants of wood um, um, stuck together. But I mean, she she gets the job done. Uh, I do, when I when I watch her, I do I do think sometimes it's a bit of an effort for her to get from A to B over a fence, Ellie May, but. You know, she, she does and uh, you know, she's she's got an engine, but I think at least concertista's got some she's got a bit more scope about her, it looks it looks to me, but um I can't I couldn't pick holes in her jumping performances on her two ch- chase starts today.
2: Mm. Yeah, I, I couldn't either. Maybe I just expected a little bit more from her on debut. Um but then again that was the time where Willie's horses were only just coming out of that phase of, of not exactly blowing everything away. So we'll, we'll see. Um, I wouldn't put anybody off LMA. And uh, I think a, a repeat a repeat of her being in the same form at Cheltenham this year would probably be good enough um, of last year. Uh,
3: is, is, is Constantista going to be happier on, on better ground? Because she's, she's flatbred um, she's by Nathaniel out of the Selkirk mare, so I, I guess um, she wasn't actually bred to go to be chasing. But I just wonder whether she'd be happier on the likely good ground, maybe than Ellie May.
2: Um, she's handled good to so soft in the past, so I don't see yeah. why why it wouldn't be yeah. an issue. Uh, I I wouldn't use that as an excuse personally. I mm-hmm. wouldn't be reaching for it. Um, speaking of a uh, William Mullins horse who was second at the Cheltenham Festival last season. Uh, Billaway, so just a short head and was backed as though a defeat was out of the question in the Hunter's Chase. Important to emphasize that, it's the Hunter's Chase. Uh, Disappointingly beaten, thrashed really, uh, Thurlis last month, but um, showed the benefit of that. First-time Cheek Pieces beats Goodbye Sam uh, when an odds-on favourite. Again, briefly... Is he now the one to beat? He's favourite for the Hunter's Chase at uh, the Cheltenham Festival, but is he the one to beat?
3: Well, um, let's. I, don't, I, I really don't want to harp on about the ground. <laughs> I'm going to. I think if it's. I think if it's this horse has been beaten twice on good ground in the Hunter's Chase and run similar races both times where he's got slightly out of his ground and finish really well to be second on both occasions, not beaten very far. Um, the cheap pieces are obviously an interesting move because if this horse can 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 lay up a bit easier this time around, can can, can stay a bit handier this time around, then that's obviously going to give him a better chance of, of, of winning. But will he be able to if the ground's on, on the good side? Um, if the ground's on the soft side, I'd say he's a very worthy favourite and the most likely winner. But I I do have that nagging doubt in the back of my mind that if the ground's on the good side, despite the fact that he's clearly going to go there in the um, cheek pieces, I'm surprised they didn't didn't leave that until March, actually. I'm surprised they didn't go with the cheek pieces as for more impact maybe on the day. Um, They've gone in the prep run. Um, which he would have won anyway, probably without the cheap pieces. But who am I to tell Willie Mullins what to do? But if they help him hold his position a little bit better mid-race, then of course he can win it. Yeah, clearly.
2: He's got to be the one on everyone's lips right now. He obviously sets the standard. James's gate, I was really taken with this. First of all, the fact that he was so heavily backed. You know, he was 10 to 11 the night before he ends up going off two to five. We already know that Willie Mullins has got a lot of strength and depth in terms of his bumper team, but now he's got another one and uh, significantly named as well. James's gate, of course, being the uh, famous Guinness entrance. So what did you make of his performance at Punchestown?
3: Oh, it's very impressive, but um, we see that kind of performance quite a lot from Willie Mullins bumper horses. Don't we? I mean, I I didn't feel compelled to tweet a aeroplane emoji. Oh uh, God! Oh,
2: oh, oh. This <laughs> is a bugbearer of yours. You hate, that.
3: <laughs> and you're right. To yeah, go. let's let's just give horses a chance, just to just to prove themselves before we start uh, getting too carried away. You know, I I think um, maybe I'm a bit old and, and cynical. I've seen a lot of um, so-called aeroplanes and ridden. Uh, a few so so-called aeroplanes only to be disappointed time after time so um yeah we just we just take a take a breath and and let uh, let things take its course but there's no doubt every time you see uh, um you know like a facile vega or you know something something along those lines it's hard it's hard not to be impressed or to Hope that they might develop into the next the next big thing, but um, you know, um, let's see what he does. Let's see what he does next time. Despite the fact that he was um, very impressive, and uh, yeah, talking about Harry Fowler, I think I read in a point to point against Harry back in the day, many many years ago at um, Hampton. So uh, it's a name from the past.
2: Did he beat you, or did you beat him?
3: I can't remember, genuinely. Oh, (laughs) that's frustrating. (laughs) Unless it's the concussion, I genuinely can't remember. But um, I do remember him asking for some advice. I think it was his first ride around there. And I do remember when I was walking around, he did ask for some advice, so I tried to put him away as best I could.
2: Well, what you want to do, mate, is you want to be up against the rail. Meanwhile, you're off <laughs> Jack Raku at gore in style. Hugs the rail! The other rail, uh, that is. Um, you mentioned concussion, by the way, because uh, in your line of work, you obviously you're working with racehorses day in, day out. You got kicked in the head, right in the face, by a racehorse. And uh, you were knocked out for 12 hours.
3: Yes, it was... Uh i suppose it's what you could call an occupational hazard working with horses it was a yearling young horse uh, in a strange environment and um yeah without going into too much detail unfortunately i took a blow to um my head and don't really remember much for 20 hours or so until i until i sort of regained some sort of consciousness and uh luckily um despite the fact that there's a few things um going on I, I seem to have got away without any lasting damage it would seem so um uh, i do have some um, someone on my side maybe or a uh, little bit of luck um in my favor i've had a few um near misses in the past but um i think as you get older i think they're a little bit harder to take but um we're still here, we're still going, so fingers crossed everything will pan out, okay.
2: You, you sound great, I mean I was this was, was it a week and a half ago now? Uh, three weeks. Three weeks, man, Time flight You know what? In Rona world, and I know that restrictions have very much been lifted in the UK, but in Rona world, time has no meaning anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, when you sent me that message, I got a proper fright um and like we kind of forget this, but horses do kill people, and it is uh, an occupational hazard, and the the hazard of pay isn't necessarily there, but uh, fair play to you um first of all, you're blessed, secondly, thank God you're all right um and and third, um, don't let that happen again. <laughs> 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 We're, wear like an NFL style helmet from now on after the Super Bowl last night um, yeah that that'll really Please. calm the horses down <laughs> coming in going
3: <laughs> <But> it is <laughs> it is funny how um, how times change you know I mean I remember when I first started um, riding racehorses the back protectors weren't compulsory and you know and people started actually wearing back protectors before they became um compulsory and i remember a particularly tricky um autumn one year when we had a lot of yearlings to break and i took quite a few um nasty falls i remember thinking that it might be a very sensible idea to start wearing a back protector and then maybe six months or a year later, they actually became compulsory. So, um, mm. you know, it's, um, you know, things, I think, maybe, you know, if you get away with it, things ha- can be, can happen, f- you know, f- for, for, for for good in terms of, you know, how you move forward with certain aspects and just a little reminder that, you know, not to be complacent ever, not that I was because I never am around horses um, because I've seen the damage that they can cause. But uh, like I said, if you can get away with it, it's a timely reminder to just make sure you have your wits about you and to take the time and take care in exactly what you're doing.
2: Stay safe, my man. Stay safe. You back at work?
3: Uh, not yet. Um, still need things to settle down a little bit, but I'll try and get back as soon as possible.
2: Okay, you're made of pretty stern stuff, I'll tell you that. Uh, who is the horse that you take away from the weekend that you're most excited about going forward?
3: Um, most excited about going forward? Um, probably, I, I think on the basis that it's not original by any stretch of the imagination, but Brave Man's game, I think considering the nickels yard form and the fact that he was giving weight away to some half decent novices. I think that was the, that was probably the best performance for me, but I would mention a horse that ran on a Friday, if anybody's interested at Banger in a novice hurdle in the 415 called Harakiri. Um, that is definitely a horse that was, uh, um, to use a cliche an eye catcher. So if anyone wants to keep an eye for Har- Harakiri or go back and watch the video of it running in the 4.15 at Bangor on Friday, then please feel free because I think you'll agree that it, uh, it, it's it got some potential.
2: Alex Hales and Harry Bannister on board. Um, finished third behind Jungle Jack. Uh, it It's not original, but I'm with you. In that I I don't see how to look elsewhere other than Brave Man's game. I thought he was the star of the show. It was an incredibly telling performance. But I would be super confident that he wins the Brown Advisory. Which, again, I have to echo is the RSA. (laughs) Because the JLT became the Brown Advisory. And for years, they—I think I'm pretty sure—when Balenigore won the Festival Plate, it might have been the Brown Advisory Festival Plate that year. Um, they seem to have sponsored pretty much every race at, at Cheltenham, so good on them. But um, yeah, I, I think Brave Man's Game is—I think the eleven to four is as close to put them in your lucky sixty-three is a good thing um, as you're gonna as you're gonna get right now um, because. While non-runner no bet can be great, uh, the frustration then is you're getting even money about Gallop de Champ for um, the the Turners now. Um, now I'm not going to care because if he runs, that's a win in itself. It's like I'm right and I have a I have a runner. Uh, if he doesn't run, oh, bollocks but um we'll uh we'll wait and see how all of that pans out plays out and uh and out but yeah i'm with you uh brave man's game all right uh matt stay safe literally uh given what happened to you and um looking forward to getting your insights on the show again um, very soon hopefully
3: yeah well thanks for thanks for having me on really enjoyed it boys uh Always enjoy talking about horse racing. So um, yeah, it was a pleasure.
2: Thanks very much. Oh, absolute pleasure to, to chat to you, my friend. And uh, we will be back on Thursday. There should be a special show coming out Tuesday evening, I believe. If it doesn't disappear, good. Uh, <laughs> stuff is being thrown at me. Um, that's a fox's fruit, by the way. They're valuable. Don't throw that stuff around the place. Uh, so we should be doing a special show on Tuesday, but we'll need more of that um, until it actually comes out uh, also Cheltenham specials are starting to, to build up as well so uh, the countdown is very much on and um, hopefully there's one or two winners for Cheltenham being discussed in this show um, we'll talk to you at the very least on Thursday but we should have a special show Tuesday Wednesday and uh, some more special shows to come be safe be well and uh, if you like the show like it on social media twitter instagram facebook share it with your friends your enemies your colleagues and um, make sure you hit the follow button on your podcast app thank you once again for making us the number one horse racing podcast in the uk and ireland you are the best because of that it's a competition coming your way very very soon uh be safe be well talk to you soon god bless
1: the final Furlong podcast is proudly brought to you by All About Sunday, the ultimate racehorse ownership experience. Download the app and get involved today. All About Sunday, we love racing. And by our official betting partner, Kaluki Sportsbook, the market-leading messenger betting service, providing best odds guaranteed on UK and Irish horse racing, plus with the option of instant withdrawals. Visit sportsbook.com to sign up now.